to the hardest skeptic, the harshest critic, and to the most fully devoted follower of Jesus in this room, that he is here not on trial, but he is here in order to draw you with his mercy and his love and his goodness. And the word declares it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, to life, to love, to knowledge. And his goodness is here today. His goodness is here today. And I don't know about you, but I can always use more goodness in my life, man. And so, Lord, let your goodness settle in this place, settle on us, settle in each heart, in each situation, each couple, each family, each single. Lord, for the, like I said, for the one that feels so far away and for the one that feels so close, do a miracle and draw us all together in your goodness. And I thank you, God. I just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Wow. You can go ahead and take your seat. What a good weekend for you to be here. Uh, Would say that about every weekend, to be honest, but this was uh, just a special one. And I feel like um, what the Lord will do today is uh, is really special, too. Um, We're going to try to pull off a couple of different things. It's a new series called Echo, and we're going to spend just the next uh, three weeks doing a little highlight of, of some of what we do around the world through missions with our missionaries. Now, if you've not um, been here when we do this, but you've been a part of this someplace else, and you're like, hey, what a great time for us to skip the next couple of weeks. Um, let me just tell you, you're, you're making a tremendous mistake because um, don't, don't judge us by a past experience someplace else. And we won't judge you by an experience we had with somebody in the past either. How's that? We'll, we'll just go equal, equal, even Stephen, leave the baggage at the door, and it'll be, a, um, it'll be something that I think you'll really appreciate. Uh, the other thing, and you see some of the activity that's happening, there's a couple of demonstrations in this. In fact, there's like three illustrations. I'm going to show you uh, some pictures of something that will help illustrate. This is a sound machine that we put together. Uh, that we're going to try to, um, Romans 1 says that the invisible attributes of God are visible when, um, when God does reveal himself. And I think I can show you something that's really cool with the idea of echo. And then the last one is a movie clip um, that I think will we'll, we'll kind of finalize and bring together all that we, we want to do uh, this weekend. So if you want to grab your notes, you'll need a pen or a pencil for the fill in the blanks. You can use the online version through our app. And if you learn best by just listening, that's a, uh, that's a, a right way to do it too. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm supposed to like talk about our men's advanced retreat, but I, I feel like I need to just go right to this. So go to the retreat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this, this message on Echo started um, for us uh, many, many months ago. We have a teaching team that gathers. And then um, when you add the addition of Pastor um, uh, Jonathan and Rebecca Murley uh, to that, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got Jonathan who is just so... Um, he, he, Jonathan's stoic and he's put together and he's, he's just... Uh, um, you know, just like everything about him is just 
um, I don't know what the right word is. There's just stoic's not it because that makes him sound cold and he's not cold. Just put together. He's just so um, debonair. How about that word right there? Debonair. Boy, I pulled that out of the, 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 the air. Debonair. And then Rebecca is, is fire and she's power and she's prophetic. And um, both of them together make such a powerful team in missions and, and with what we're doing. And so you bring those two things together and we're talking about what do we want this to be for the next few weeks as we stand in front of our church and this will go out around the world. Uh, and what, what statement do we want to say? And so the title echo, that our lives echo, that long after this body returns to the earth and our time here is, is nothing but a memory, what we did will echo through eternity. And it's so hard because Jesus described it this way when he talked about the sower and the seed. He said that the sower goes out, speaking of himself, to deposit the seed. And the seed has such power that if it hits the right soil, the return is unbelievable. But then he, he, he talked about how the enemy comes to sow chaos into the order that God brings. And what the chaos does, uh, Jesus described it this way, the cares of this life. The anxiety of trying to deal with the day-to-day stuff, uh, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the acquisition of just consumption and trying to gain more. Jesus said what the enemy does is he tries to come in and with, with chaos undo the connection that we have with God and the potential that the seed has in our life to bring such a return. And so it causes so many people... Who, who, who God has put here with a purpose and a plan. The Bible says he knew you before you were born, knit you together, put you together, designed you. You're not here because your mom and dad had a biological incident only. You're here because God willed your life to be on this planet right now. And that if you can catch that and get that and get beyond the chaos stuff, the, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world, the anxiety of life, if you can focus, you can make your life, no matter what your hand finds to do, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a missionary, you don't have to be a doctor, although those things are, are awesome, but you could be an accountant, you can be a mom, you, you can sell insurance, you, you could work for the Broncos. I mean, God bless you if you work for the Broncos. But whatever your hand finds to do, if you can do it for the glory of God, knowing that what you go into every day, you have the opportunity to let your life echo, right? Then it's powerful. But that chaos thing is to undo us from that connection so that we, we take the mindset that it really doesn't matter. And we get so caught up in all the things that distract us so that we're living to survive. Or with some false idea that if I can just get through this day-to-day stuff, at some point in my life, I'll be old enough to do what I want to do. And we think that that's living. And while it's okay, man, to rest, and while it's okay to enjoy because God is a blesser, he didn't put you here just to make it casually to retirement. He put you here so that your life echoes. How, though, do we do that? How does it echo? Because here, I'm standing up here trying to talk to you about this, and I I know the nasty now and now waits for you right outside that door if it didn't actually come in with you and keep you from even hearing me right now. You ever had that happen? So how, how do we... 
How do we break through? How, how do we get to that place? That's what this is. So it started for Jonathan Murley and I about 30 years ago, actually. Uh, I went to a church in northern Colorado uh, as a youth pastor, and the graduating class of seniors that had just graduated and was leaving, I came in right at that, uh, at that moment in time, and I met a young man who had just graduated from high school and was headed to Oral Roberts University and was going to study nursing. He's a brilliant, brilliant mind. And uh, we, we hit it off, but I knew that our time was limited because I was just coming in and he was leaving. And if we did see each other, it would be on these weird breaks in between times. And the truth of the matter is, it was a really large church, a really large youth group. And there were so many kids that, you know, to, to connect with, you have to look for God's connection in life, right? You meet so many, but you've got to look for those connections. And there was something about Jonathan that I just, I liked him. And I think there was something about me that he liked too. And Jonathan made this statement to me at the time that seemed so, uh, at, at that moment, it seemed innocuous. It just like, uh, no big deal. But I heard the Holy Spirit, and this is what he said. I, I will use the nursing degree at some point to be able to get into places in nations that uh, uh, a missionary could get into, but that a doctor or nurse could get into. And I will use it so that it echoes for God. And then he said this. He said, at some point, I'm going to be a missions pastor. And I said this, you're going to be my missions pastor at some point, not knowing if that would ever really happen. But here we are 30 years later, and guess what? He's my missions pastor. They're my missions team. And man, they administrate a budget of a million dollars that you give so that we can do things around the world that are... <laughs> that are spectacular, to be honest. And I'm so proud of them, and I uh, would like to spend the time actually talking about them right this moment, but it's not, it's not the Jonathan and Rebecca show. So um, let's, let's move into where, where the connection is here. Uh, Jonathan went away to school, and when he would come back on breaks, he would intern for me, and he would help me uh, with outreach for our youth group and to plan mission trips. And so um, it, this was, uh, uh, you remember when communism uh, fell, when the wall fell and, and communism fell in Eastern Europe, um, for those who were old enough to, to remember that time and, and to look at history, what happened, there was such a vacuum in that part of the world, a hunger for, for anything Western, number one, but for the gospel, number two, it was just amazing. And so Jonathan said, if we could get into Romania right now, which had been one of those Eastern European countries under communism, the heavy rule of a dictator named Ceausescu, for those who remember history, uh, he was a brutal murderer and um, had, had just brutalized those people. And they had lived without the benefit of the gospel, without the benefit of, of just... Um, of much of anything. And uh, here's the thing about hunger. Um, when you're hungry, the Bible says even, even bitter things taste good. And so, you know, the first one in, in those cases, wins many times. So even cults that were getting in there were making great headway. And so it, that's why it's important for us to realize moments in history where we can, where we can have an effect induce like a hurricane in the Bahamas. Right now, the first one in has such impact. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? 
So when we, when we see opportunities. Okay, so uh, Jonathan plans a trip. He, let, let's go to Romania. And uh, it was a big bite, man, for a youth group to go to a place where communism is not that many mere, uh, years removed and the people are desperate. I had no idea, honestly, what we were getting into. We, we took 30 or 35 uh, uh, young people with us. Uh, that trip was an interesting trip because uh, several things came out of it. Um, Jonathan, I think it solidified him as missions will be the thing that I will do with the rest of my life. Larry Good, who is our missionary in Peru, he's been here for those who go to our church, runs orphanages down there, literally feeding and clothing and educating thousands of children. Larry was on that mission trip with me, and that's when God called him into missions. Uh, John and Molly Gilbert, I don't know if they're in this service, they were two teens who, um, her last name was Suter, and um, they actually met and became an item on that mission. I had just been part of my time with the stay away from each other while we're trying to tell people about Jesus. Um, and I, I did their wedding years later, and it just ended up that uh, John's job took him here. And, you know, one of the things about being a pastor that stays someplace a long time, you get these stories. You're not, a, you're not a, like a kamikaze that flew in, crashed, and you're gone. You're, you landed and you stayed. You gave your life to a group of people, and you can still talk about those things now. And so God had done so many things. And so we, we had gone to Romania. We'd gone all over the country. They were so hungry. I'd never seen and experienced anything like it. We would do these dramas on the street corner or in a, in a square, and people would gather just because we were American. And the dramas were, the, the dramas were intentionally set up where there's no language. You're acting out um, creation the fall of man, um, the redemption of Jesus, and then we called it casting the net. At the end of it, we would just, it was a simple gospel presentation, and we would just invite those who wanted to know Jesus to raise their hand, and we would pray with them. And we were working with churches in the area. And I, now listen, I, I, I just take me at my word on this. The very first time that we do it, three or 400 people raised their hand. And I'm unprepared for it. I'm thinking 30 or 40, but three or 400? I had only brought like 20 cases of Romanian Bibles with me, not realizing the desperation that people would have who have never had a Bible in their life. How many do you have at your house? So think of people that have never, it's illegal to have one. And I made a mistake in our first, I opened a case of Bibles to give them away. And people began to dive over a table, and it started, they started fist fighting to take Bibles. Yeah, just like Jesus would do, right? Take, you know. And I'm like, you know, hide the Bibles. Uh, this, is, this is crazy. And in fact, every time we would cast the net, so many people would respond that I, I began to think that the interpreter, he must be telling people, hey, these Americans have come a long way, and why don't you be nice to them and respond? So I would make him cast the net twice with another interpreter listening to what he said so he could tell me that it was exactly what we had said. And these people were responding to the simple message of salvation. It was just powerful. And I, I, God did so much. The churches that were established. And it, it was just one of those fantastic things. Okay. We leave Romania and we have to overnight in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Vienna, Austria. 
So let me just, how many of you have ever had the opportunity to go to Vienna? There's a few of you. Yes or no, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the entire world. The culture, the architecture, uh, the history, it's just, it's gorgeous. We had come from one of the poorest, most um, (laughs) empty places to a place that was four or 500 miles distance, but light years ahead. And we landed at the airport, we were overnighting, and then we're on a plane the next morning back to the U.S. And so uh, we jumped on a train at the airport and we went into downtown Vienna just so that the kids could see it and that we could have that opportunity while we were there. And um, there's this cathedral, like there is all over Europe. They're, they're, you know, 500 and 800 and 900 year old and they're gothic and they're huge and this one's called St. Stephen's and we it it stood out so we stopped at this cathedral and they were doing a tour so we joined the tour and I listened to the tour guide and uh, this is what it looks like here's the here's the pictures of the cathedral it's just it's you know it's gothic it's what you would imagine it's just and imagine them building this in the 1100s right it started in 1137 That's the inside of it. Here's what I really want you to notice. This is one of the services, and look at how many people are actually there. And this is not a knock against Europe, but let me just say, Europe's had the gospel for a thousand years. And I want you to consider the present-day spiritual place of what's going on in Europe. And the only reason I'm saying that is we are always one generation away from what we hold to be precious to become nothing more than monuments that people tour. Always remember that, man. What you're doing right now, it echoes. One generation forgot that it echoes and the next generation couldn't hear anymore. I just said something really powerful right there. Really powerful. Now God is moving in Europe and he's not done. He'll get the final word. We tour this cathedral, and I asked the guy uh, this question, uh, you know, how long did it take to build this? Because I'm looking at the, the, the massive stone and the architecture, and, you know, you, you think back, it would take us a couple of years. to. So they're going to have to rebuild Notre Dame, and they're saying, you know, to get it back right, they're talking with modern technology several years. So now these guys are working with their stonemasons, chiseling and, and trying to quarry stone and move it without modern. They started in 1137, and it took them from beginning to end 400 years to build it. 400 years. Now, they had a temporary thing that they were able to meet in, but from beginning to end to get that was almost a 400-year journey. Listen to this. This is what the guy said that stuck with me. This is Echo. He said that the men and women who began the work on this cathedral recognized that they'd never sit one day in what they were about to give their lives to, but their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren would be able to say that my grandmother and my grandfather built this so that I could enjoy the gospel. That's echo. When you get that you're not just here consuming for you, 
You're not just building for you and what you can enjoy and what you can make happen. And yeah, God gives you the power to get wealth. That's all in the Bible. It's all there. I agree with it. I want it to happen for me too. But here's what I'm saying, man. God did not come to this earth. Jesus did not die and redeem us so that we could make our lives about consumption. We are here to echo. We are here because people matter and because what we do will echo in eternity. And if we can get through the chaos stuff of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and wealth, and the anxiety of all the stuff that happens, how the enemy works to disconnect us from the connection to God. And just keep our focus that whatever your hand finds to do, to do it for the glory of God can cause an echo. That the people you could meet today can cause an echo, man. And if there's just that breakthrough that can happen. So it's called echo. And may mission shine and be heard a little bit today. I got two things that I want to talk about. The first one, by the way, you're free to disagree with me. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. But it doesn't mean that you're wrong either. It means that we might have a disagreement. By the way, how do we handle disagreements in church? So what we've come to do is to say, I disagree, so I'm leaving. What a silly way that is. If you treated your family that way, how would your children turn out? Some of you are like, that's what happened with my mom and dad. So you know. Just because we disagree on a statement doesn't mean that we have to separate so give me a little bit of latitude for the wording that I'm going to use. I'll try to be specific and, 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 and open you up to why I want to use this sentence. But for those of you that ever, like, where does pastor stand on, like, creation and evolution? I believe that God is the creator. I believe that because he's God and that he is infinite and we are finite, that our minds cannot fully grasp how big God is, how God does what God does. And so we try to use our limited brain and wrap it around the unlimited power of God. And those two things don't always mix well. So we just say, well, that couldn't happen that way. It's a fairy tale. Some of that is where faith does walk in. And this is where Romans, this demonstration, where Romans says that the invisible attributes of God can become visible when God reveals himself. I'm going to show you something today that will help work that way. But let me just do this. So I, I do believe in creation. But if you said, uh, Pastor, how do you see, like, how did God do what he did? I, I wasn't there. <laughs> Were you? <clears throat> So I don't know exactly how it looked. But the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 3, reads this way, right here. In the beginning, God did what? Created. created. Now, does that mean that he literally took his hands and that he formed it? Or does God have the power to speak and boom, it happens? I'd say it could be either. It doesn't have to be this or that. It can be this and that. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is how it's described. That the earth was formless and empty. 
and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then this is it. God said, he spoke out loud, echo, let there be light. And then the most amazing thing is, there was light. Science calls the beginning of creation the big. And I would submit to you that I will use Big Bang today, but probably in a different way than you would. Because I think the Big Bang is God saying, let there be, and everything went boom! And came into its form and its place. I think that God's ability to speak into existence, to create with his words, to call forth what is void and unformed into a form and into a reality just by speaking, that's the thing that we're finite. So we say, okay, uh, money. (laughs) Nothing happens because you're not God. Make sense? So when we try to prove God that way, you can't prove what you're not. So to say, like, uh, you know, how did God do it? Did he, did he, did he cut it out of paper? Did he, did he form it out of paper mache and hang it like a little mobile? You may, I, I think the Bible's clear that he spoke into existence. That he, he was smart enough to look, to design, to put it there out of nothing, something. And then said, let there be. And with the let there be, there was a boom. And today, science says the Big Bang. And here's why they call it the Big Bang. Because they have instruments today that can measure sound and light waves that echo through the universe. Listen to this real quickly. This is only discovered over the last 50 years. And so what they're able to measure, you can listen to the sound of the original boom. And if you were to Google this afternoon, go home and Google Big Bang sound. Listen to the universe talk. The things that are invisible become visible when God reveals himself. And so they can measure light waves and sound waves, which I think corroborates Genesis 1.1. They are measuring sound, God said, and they're measuring light. God said, let there be it meant much more to me than it did to you just now, apparently, because I'm just like, if I, if I had not felt called to ministry, I think I would have pursued the sciences and would have been a great scientist, to be honest with you. I'm a better pastor, but I think I would have been a good scientist because I love this stuff. And instead of seeing science and God as mutually exclusive, I think that the smart person can realize he is science. And he is wisdom and he is knowledge. And that when the two things combine themselves, man, they are so powerful. But are there things like, well, I can't understand? Of course. And you're not going to understand everything. And if, we go, if God would just explain it. God tells us to love each other and we can't do that. <laughs> so now we want him to explain every atom? Give me a break. We can't let somebody in traffic. Just a thought. So how do they measure the theory of the Big Bang? Listen, light waves and sound waves. They're measurable. They echo through the universe. And what they're listening to, they say, is the origin of the Big Bang. Now, 
okay, so how long ago and when? I, this is where I can't answer all those questions. I don't know on those things. But that doesn't keep me from believing that God is creator. It doesn't keep me from, from, from being able to trust that he's able to do. So God said, let there be light. And what they measure today is the echo of light waves and sound waves. And I think it cooperates in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. God said, sound, let there be light, light. All right. So I, um, I bought this little sound machine and I started messing around with it because... Um, <laughs> this is where the science part, and then I don't feel qualified to do this. So, um, like, one of the things that we're taught in school is that um, you cannot get, um, you, you can't get uh, order out of chaos. In fact, one, one of Newton's laws is that um, you have to have order, and then from order, it turns into chaos. But what we're taught with evolution is that from chaos was order accidentally. So what I want to try to show you real quick, if you just give me the latitude to get this. Like sound waves are invisible, yet what I'm going to demonstrate is that they make a pattern. And patterns aren't random. Patterns are on purpose. Do you follow what I'm saying right now? So this is an invisible attribute that suddenly becomes visible if I can just find a way to show you. And I've got a point with this. So we tried this last night, and it worked really great with our staff, and my staff was like, oh, that's so awesome. And then we tried it last night, and it bombed like <laughs> Nagasaki. Uh, so <laughs> we, we hope and have practiced, and so in Jesus' name... Father, please <laughs> let this work. Are you ready? Okay. This is Levi Smith, by the way, who is on our creative arts team. And he, this is Pastor DJ and Cammie's youngest son. And uh, he, he is, he's a genius in my mind. And we're lucky that he works with us. So he's going to do this. And then this camera's going to, you'll be able to see what it looks like. So I'm just demonstrating to you that, 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 Sound waves have a pattern. So what's invisible can become visible. What's invisible is not chaotic. It's, it's actually... So, so watch this. Watch what a sound wave does. Can you see the pattern? So now what I think is really cool about this is I have a motorcycle, and I think if I could get this flame pattern on the side of my motorcycle... Anybody else see that, right? I just think that would be, that would be cool... Okay, so here's, here's my only point, that when you hear God's sound, it creates order in your life. Okay, okay, so now, 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 now. So what I also said, though, is Jesus explained that the sower puts the seed out intentionally, and the seed has the power to reproduce in a magnificent way. 30, 60, or 100-fold return. That doesn't mean double. A hundred times. The one seed. That's why an apple tree doesn't reproduce one apple. Right from one seed comes hundreds of thousands of apples over the life of the tree. So Jesus says that the seed he gives has the power. If you can receive the seed today, 
that your life matters, that it counts, and that you can echo that whatever your hand finds to do, if you'll do it for the glory of God, every day thinking, God, I do this for you. Even if you think it's menial, if you do it for the glory of God, your life echoes. Listen to me. But the chaos is that the cares of this life, the anxiety of the world we live in, and the devil working overtime to disconnect us from God's purpose is he also has a sound called chaos. And I want to show you what chaos does to a pattern. So do chaos for me. And it takes the same principle of sound and it just messes up. There's some semblance of a pattern, but mostly it's just a jumbled mess, yes or no? So look at me real quick. This is why I'm trying to prove to you that I don't care how old or how young, male or female, it's not a glass ceiling or a person or a president or a government or a day or a time that stands in your way. That your enemy is an unseen enemy who works overtime to introduce chaos to disrupt the pattern that God has on your life. And that that pattern, when it's exposed, it's orderly and it's beautiful and it makes a difference and you don't know how you're touching people and you think it's menial and you think it doesn't matter and you think it doesn't count and that's the enemy introducing the chaos, the jumble. And if you listen to that lie long enough, then you will live with this idea that it's just what I can buy that's going to bring me happiness in this life. And it's just how much I can experience that's going to bring meaning to me. And that's chaos. And what it takes is for God's pattern just to come back and remind you who you really are. What your real name is. Why you're really here. And that it really matters. That's echo. That's echo. That's, that's when it goes beyond today, it, beyond what I can see, beyond what I can feel and hear. It goes so much further. The second one, Pastor John trying to be smart again. Newton's third law of motion. I, I didn't ring to bring you back to high school. Um, and if I asked you right now, what is it? I don't know if you would remember, but I bet if I give the sentence, you will. For every action, there's an equal and opposite. Well done. You were paying attention that day. So here, here's what's taught as a universal law. So listen to this. Whether you're a believer, an atheist, a skeptic, a fully devoted follower, there are certain laws that regardless of personal belief, we all have to live by. Gravity. Deny it all you want to, but step off a building. Agreed? Uh, the unstoppable force hitting the immovable object. Boom. Something happens. I mean, we all live by it. One of those things that we live by is this, and I'm going to say it one more time. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So that when you do good, good is happening. 
But when you do bad, bad is happening. So let me prove it to you from Scripture. One of the most famous quotes that every believer wants to hear and believes that they will hear, and that's why you're doing what you're doing today, is that when you stand before the Lord, Jesus used this uh, as a parable to teach about good and wicked people. And he said the good servant, when he stands before the Lord, will hear these words, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into what I've prepared for you. Now, context, that's not on the earth, that's in the afterlife, yes or no? And what God is actually confirming is what I'm trying to tell you right now, that what you do echoes so much that God hears it and then rewards us for the echo. Now, so that you understand what I'm saying, living a good life will not get you into heaven. Jesus' work gets you into heaven. But what you do here and now has a reward factor with it. Hey, listen to me. These might be the most important words you ever hear in your life. You might at some point in history turn around and say, Bravo, Pastor John. Thank you for telling me while I had a chance to do something about it. You know, Jesus also connected, whether we like it or not, and whether we want to ignore it or not, it doesn't change the fact that he said it. In that same teaching, he also talked about the unfaithful servant who the Lord looked at and said, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. Those are harsh words. Harsh words. Echo. What you do echoes. How we get it echoes. It matters. When I meet an 18-year-old kid, and we cross paths, and I have no idea what 30 years later is going to look like, but to have opportunities to influence, echo. And then he meets a young woman, and because I'm so involved in his life, he's like, hey, do my wedding for me, and Rebecca Murley becomes part of an echo, that I have no idea where it's going to go. Todd, in a storefront in Podunk, Broadway, a guy walks up to me and says, man, I feel called to serve you in this church. How can I help you? I have no idea who he is. I know how many years ago that was, 14, 15 years ago. <laughs> it only feels like 14 to me. <laughs> But apparently it feels like 15 to you. <laughs> he and his wife have served in the capacity our children's pastors. He, he takes care of the finances and he's so diligent and good that he, he keeps our church going when everything else is not going the way that it should go. It allows us to move forward and he's, he's creative and he thinks of ways and Becca how she serves my wife and serves the women of this church. And wherever she's needed, that's where she goes. And you just never know when you're talking to somebody. and You never know. And echo. And they have three children and two incredible sons and a 
daughter and both of their sons. I've had the awesome privilege in the last year of talking to about being called into ministry, wanting to serve God in the capacity of full-time ministry. Those things happen because of echo. 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 Step. <laughs> so, I don't know how many years ago, 18 she had this really cool ministry called Alabaster Vessels that worked with women in crisis. And I am summing up so much that, that doesn't cover what you really did, but and our paths cross. And the devil actually set up an opportunity for us to divide. And we both chose to lay our pride down and to figure out how to hold on to each other. And here we are 18 years later, and Deb now is one of our counselors on this staff, one of the finest people you'd ever meet. And so many people have been delivered from the power of darkness because of this woman right. right here and her husband who loves her and supports her, her turn Dan. I mean, echo. You just never know. And in the natural, it, you would not picture you and I as like, it, you know, we come from such different backgrounds and such different echo. Echo. John is so on the new side of it, Kathleen. But echo begins to happen and where that'll go and what God will do with that. And I look at faces and people, some that I know better and some that I don't. Sometimes paths aren't meant to be best friends. You just cross and you have that opportunity to be echo. This is my granddaughter right here trying to escape her papa's gaze. <laughs> this is echo to me. This is everything that I'm building today and the way that I live my life so that I don't want to end up in embarrassment when they tell my story 30 years from now. Echo. Echo, man. Am I making sense to you? Did you get it? Because it's so hard, and I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to drive in traffic. And you got, I've joked about it, but I, man, it like, sometimes I wonder if I'm really saved. I do. I'm like, what's wrong with, yes, what's wrong with me? Why? A guy that loves Jesus would not do that or say that or feel that. And I'm saying it, doing it, and feeling it all at the same time. Echo. But for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Whenever chaos enters my life and the devil convinces me that what I'm doing, you're fooling yourself. And if you knew how many times, you would think if God would expose a lie one time, it would be enough to keep you from ever believing that lie again. And that's the battle that we all face, isn't it? Because just because you get victory one day doesn't mean he's not coming back the next day to fight. And you might win one day, but you can lose. And when you start losing, you can go a long period when you begin to lose. And the time that I've wasted believing that my life, that I'm just, that nobody really cares what I have to say. That it's not really changing anyone or anything. And when that enters in that chaos pattern... It affects then 
how I feel when I'm doing what I'm doing. You ever gone through the motions? You ever gone through the motions in your marriage? You ever gone through the motions at work? You ever gone through the motions at church? Just be real. God knows. Be real. That's chaos. And what has to happen is that God needs to speak into the darkness and to bring forth light. We were all taught in school this too, that darkness really only exists because light isn't there. And that darkness loses the moment the light is turned on. Jesus taught it. Look at, look at John. Can you pull that one up real quick? I kind of bounced around in my... This is John 1.5. The, the, the light shines in the darkness. Look at this. And the darkness can never... What's the word? All we need is for God's light to re-enter the situation. And you know the best part of this? You're not responsible to make light happen. You're responsible just to let light in. That is good, man. Okay. Dang it. It's 10.15, and I've got a three-and-a-half-minute clip that ends this up. So, um, will you go there with me? Okay. Now, listen to, listen to what this is. This is an R-rated clip. No, that's not the right way to say that. <laughs> Okay, this comes from an R-rated movie. The clip is not R-rated. Okay, good grief. Um, it's Schindler's List. So let me just say real quickly, if you haven't seen it, it this is actually not a recommendation for a couple of reasons. A, it's very brutal. Uh, B, it's definitely not for kids. Um, but, 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 but. We live in a day where people are actually denying that the Holocaust ever took place. And it took place. And what I'm about to show you has two purposes behind it. One, this should never happen on our watch in our country, ever. We're responsible. And two, to set it up, it's the end of the movie. Oscar Schindler was a real man, and if you ever go to Israel with me, we go to the Holocaust Museum, and there's a place there that they've dedicated called the Avenue of the Righteous. And it's people who are not Jewish who did acts of righteousness for the Jews. And they planted trees for them. And there's Corey Tinboom, if you know that name. Her name is there. Uh, but Oscar Schindler. Now, I'm just going to say this. Schindler was not a good guy. He was a philanderer. Uh, he lived his life for himself. You talk about a person who probably modeled uh, simply being a, a person who, who just consumed. But he... God touched his heart and he saved 1,100 Jews during one of the most infamous times in our modern history. So at the end of the movie... They're about to be freed by the Allied forces. And Schindler's going to be hunted as a war profiteer. And so he's standing with what they were called Schindler's Jews. That's where Schindler's List, the list was the name of the Jews that he saved. 
And so he's standing with all of the people that he saved at the end of it, and he has a revelation that I think is worth you seeing. So that's what this is. Take a look. This occurs, I want, um, I want that cloth distributed to the workers. Two and a half meters each. Also, each person is to get a bottle of vodka. They won't drink it, they know it's value. Likewise, those Egyptian cigarettes we organize. It'll be done, everything you ask. I've written a letter trying to explain things in case you were captured. Every worker has signed it. Two people. 
this is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for At least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. Person is there. For this. I could have gone. One poor person. And I didn't. And I, I about that moment that just so moves my heart, except that I, when it's clear, and when the chaos is not in the situation, it's so easy for me to see that it really is just about people. And I know that's emotional, and you think to yourself, Pastor, you're, you're, you're going for our emotions. God created your emotions to engage your brain. Because when the two things come together, it's powerful. John Murley tells that silly story about the starfish they get caught in a bad tide and thousands of them wash up on the beach. And some little kid taking a walk is picking them up one by one and chucking them back in the water. And there's just so many, he's not making a dent really. And some adult comes walking along and says, hey kid, what are you doing? And he said, I'm saving starfish. And the guy says, you can't make a difference, there's too many. And the kid picks one up and says, makes a difference to this one and throws it back. We can feed little kids and we can encourage moms and we can strengthen the hands of men and we can rebuild families and we can show singles and we can raise a generation and we can echo. A church in Lone Tree, Colorado can echo for eternity if the people will just yell loud enough. So what do you want to do with your life, man? So I'm not asking you become a pastor. I'm not asking you to go be a missionary. I'm not saying change anything other than the order and the pattern that whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord for the glory of God, knowing that when you're crossing paths, they're not accidental, chaotic, random events. God is trying to get you to echo. 
Now, out in that foyer are set up all sorts of things that we believe are echoing that I'd like you to take a minute and look at. Maybe God will touch your heart to pray for them, to give to them, to encourage them. Maybe God will even speak to you about something that we're not doing. That you could say to us, we could really echo in this part of the world. And you know what you have? A church that will listen. And a church that I think proves over and over again that the resource is not turned inward on us. But we try to give as much of it away as we possibly can. We can echo, man. You can echo. You can echo. So, Father, whatever you want to do with it, and however you want to do it, to God be the glory. May the music that's written, the songs that are sung, the decisions that will be made, the lives that will be returned to, the normalcy of this afternoon. Instead of chaos being the guiding hand, let your light shine in the darkness. Let your words create a pattern that we can see that's discernible and that lasts beyond our time on this earth. Father, for the critic and the skeptic, and for the most fully devoted follower of Christ, here's one thing I believe unites us all. We want our lives to matter. We want to echo. So to God be the glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Stand to your feet if you will. Uh, guys, I just don't think we have the time um, to do this. So, folks, I need you to echo your way right out of here. <laughs> have an awesome afternoon, and thank you for listening to me today.